0: Hey, guys, and welcome to the first episode of the NC Politics Podcast. Today, we're going to be taking a look at two of the candidates for the Republican nomination um, for the upcoming North Carolina Senate race in 2022, uh, Mark Walker and Ted Budd. Um, So specifically today, we're going to be examining why there's really only room for one of these two candidates in the Republican primary. Um, So to sort of set the stage for you guys. Um, currently in the Republican primary, there's three, I think there's a couple other candidates declared, but the three major candidates are Representative Ted Budd, um, former rep Mark Walker, and Governor, former Governor Pat McCrory. Um, so right now you've got McCrory leading pretty comfortably in polling. Um, he is pulling above 40% in the two uh, polls that have been released recently. Um, and then below them, you've got Walker at around 10 to 15%, and then Bud, um, below 10%, uh, but yeah, um, doing better than both of them combined, and he's the clear favorite as of right now, so, um, yeah, so, the thing is, Ted Bud is a member of the Freedom Caucus, which sort of prides itself as the most... Conservative caucus in um, the House of Representatives. Um, this is the caucus that Jim Jordan is a member of, a, is a member of um, Paul Gosar, you've got Marjorie Taylor Greene, I'm pretty sure Matt Gates is also a member of the Freedom Caucus. Um, these are um, sort of, these are the group of Republican lawmakers who former Speaker of the House John Boehner um, described as legislative terrorists. Um, they're often um, sort of disagreeing with like the Republican establishment, sort of butting heads. They tend to um, fight for conservative principles in all situations, um, regardless, really, if um, that's like sort of what the Republican establishment's going with. I mean, they're like, if the Republican establishment sort of um, maybe fighting for one thing but it doesn't exactly um it's not 100 percent conservative principles like in the case of the um like like a stimulus bill for example conservatives some you know mainstream establishment republicans might say you know okay the economy's doing terrible typically we're all for the free market but hey you know let's step in and give some assistance to people meanwhile freedom caucus might be like no that's against capitalism, markets correct themselves, don't do that, even in times where people are struggling. So, um, yeah, that's sort of where Ted Budd's standing. He's, um, I mean, if you looked at his campaign announcement, it's like him in a pickup truck, like, driving into stuff. And, I mean, it's clear that he's sort of trying to position himself as the pro-Trump, most conservative candidate in this race. Um, So, yeah. And then you've got Mark Walker. Um, Walker is... I don't think Walker's as conservative as Bud, but it looks like he's, especially in this race, he's trying to appear as conservative as possible. Um, like when uh, Senator Richard Burr uh, voted to impeach um, then-President Donald Trump um, for incitement of the the Capitol riots on January 6th, uh, Walker sent out a tweet talking about how it was the wrong vote, Burr, um, and how if he went on a couple news shows and talked about how, you know, if he was in uh, Senator Burr spot, he would have voted to—he um, wouldn't have voted for impeachment. Um, so, yeah. And he's visited Mar-a-Lago. There's pictures of him posing with the former president at Mar-a-Lago, probably seeking a potential endorsement that might do wonders in a Republican primary where— President Trump remains by and large the most popular figure in the Republican Party. So, you've got that going on. Walker's seeking that endorsement. Meanwhile, you've got um, Ted Budd, who's also, you know, member of the Freedom Caucus and probably also seeking the President's endorsement as well. Um, they sort of occupy the same ideological niche. It's, it's, not, it's hard to make the case that there's room for both of them in this primary. And yeah. On the other hand, you've got Pat McCrory, who, I mean, he when he before he was governor of the state, he was mayor of Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, nowadays, Charlotte is a reliably blue urban area of North Carolina. That and Wake County um, constitute by by far the most um, democratic areas in North Carolina. But uh, McCrory was elected mayor of Charlotte. I think I don't know exactly. I think it was late 90s, maybe early 2000s. I'm not sure, but he he was the mayor of charlotte um during that time he sort of garnered a reputation as a moderate republican um he was you know pro-business and all but at the same time he was um relatively pragmatic he um wasn't specific he wasn't really too harsh on social issues i think he held most conservative positions but you know he wasn't going out there and saying that you know abortion even in rape you shouldn't be allowed to get an abortion. I mean, he wasn't really far right socially. I mean, he was pro-business, relatively, I think, moderately moderate on social issues. I mean, he was just your standard run-of-the-mill, you know, Republican, especially during that era. I mean, he was the mainstream Republican of the 2000s. And yeah, but when he became governor of the state, um, that was back when, I mean, North Carolina still does has a incredibly conservative legislator but back then they had this um really conservative legislator with legislative legislative body there we go um but it was headed by i think then speaker of the north carolina house tom tillis he's now incumbent he's now um one of north carolina senators but they pushed through a lot of um uh, conservative bills, they really went gung ho, especially once they had the governorship. They really tried they tried to put as many conservative bills as possible on McCrory's desk and just hoping he would sign them, really. Um, and for the most part, McCrory did. I mean, that's sort of how he shifted in the public's eye from this more moderate mayor of Charlotte to um, this more right wing governor of the state. I mean, McCrory was responsible for um, signing. Um, North Carolina House Bill 2. Um, it's across the state. It's often called Hate Bill 2 because it um, took away a lot of protections for LGBTQ communities. It's often referred to as the Bathroom Bill. Um, it essentially made um, transgender citizens they were forced to go to the bathroom of their bi- biological sex. It was. It got cond- condemnation from. You know, across America, I think the MLB All-Star Game pulled out of North Carolina because of it. Um, lots and lots of backlash, tons of protests. It was it was just it was a bad bill, and it got tons of public backlash. But the uh, strange thing was, that's when McCrory sort of shifted to this more right-wing person. He sort of doubled down on the bill. Um, there wasn't, like, a sort of apology, like, you know, hey, this I shouldn't have signed this bill. This was too too right-wing, shouldn't have done that, that was bad, um, but, you know, he didn't do that, he doubled down on it, and still to this day, I think he's still defending it, um, but yeah, so, McCrory is sort of, he's not, doesn't have the same moderate reputation he did 20 years ago, but at the same time, he's, for most people, I mean, if you're a mainstream Paul Ryan, Mitt Romney Republican in North Carolina, um, like a neoconservative, that's the, pretty much um, the republican party is divided into like paleo conservatives and neoconservatives paleo conservatives are your freedom caucus members for the most part they're pro trump they're you know close the borders america first kind of thing hyper nationalism it's you know free trade isn't great we should be protecting our workers even if that means tariffs and stuff whereas they're also relatively they're a lot less hawkish than traditional republicans on like war and stuff that's why you see president trump like supporting former president trump supporting um president biden's plan to withdraw the troops from afghanistan whereas neoconservatives are more hawkish they're more pro-war usually more likely to get involved in um armed conflicts like getting in wars and stuff like the iraq war that's a good example of that um they're also more free trade not generally fond of tariffs um generally more liberal on immigration um, a prominent neoconservative would be george w bush um and paleo conservative would be former president donald trump those are the two main figures of both wings of the republican party i think you could look to but you know if you are a traditional neoconservative republican in north carolina which especially in the suburbs of charlotte and raleigh those re- wealthier areas there's a lot of them um, i think you'd probably go with pat mccrory because even though he i wouldn't especially at this point in time after his term as governor uh, i wouldn't call him a moderate but i wouldn't label him as a moderate i would say he's more moderate than bud in um walker but at the same time i wouldn't um i wouldn't say pat mccory's a moderate republican this time there's very few moderate republicans left in the republican party um, but yeah, so the sort of problem you're running into is you've got um, Pat, um, McCrory, who's going to win the moderate vote, by and large, and then you've got Bud and Walker, who are both fighting for this, you know, this more conservative side of the Republican Party. Um Yeah, and that's a problem, because you've got two people that are occupying the same niche, and they're just hurting each other, like if... Walker dropped out of the race, I'd say the vast, or Ted Bud dropped out of the race, I'd say the vast majority of his supporters would go to Mark Walker, because he's been sort of trying to portray himself as the most pro-Trump candidate. Likewise, if Walker dropped out, I think his supporters would go to Bud. And, you know, if one of them dropped out, then I'm sure the other would pull above 20%. And, you know, you've got them at 20%, McCrory at, like, 40, 45. I mean, it's, you're still the underdog, but um, it's a much better position to be in, so that's sort of the problem these two candidates are running into because they're both trying to um i guess out trump each other you've got bud who voted um sort of proudly to overturn he was one of the like i think over two-thirds of the republican members of the house of representatives who voted to object um and in- to the election certification of a couple key swing states so, yeah, he did that. And then you've got Walker, who's sending out tweets and visiting Mar-a-Lago and trying to pose as a pro-Trump candidate as well. And I mean, quite frankly, not both of them can be pro-Trump. You've got the Trump supporters of North Carolina have to vote for one person. You can't vote for both of them. And the problem is right now they're probably equally divided between Walker and Bud. So, I mean, that's the problem these two candidates are running into. If Laura Trump jumps into the race, they are both... Done. I mean, she's in hypothetical polling because she's not officially in the race. She's sort of flirted with the idea, but she just took a job at Fox News, though. So, unless she um, leaves that, I think it's unlikely she'll jump in anytime soon. But if she does, there's a lot of hypothetical polls that show her basically tied with Mercury. Um, and Bud and Walker at that point basically become irrelevant. I mean, there's you've got someone with the last name Donald Trump, not <laughs> last name Donald Trump, the last name Trump, there's no way you're going to be able to portray yourself as, you know, more Trumpian than them. So if Laura Trump joins Walker, especially Bud, because I think Bud is, um, uh, in theory, more conservative and more um, appealing to a lot of these... Um, more right-wing voters in the Republican Party, especially him, but Mark Walker as well. They're both honestly screwed if Laura Trump joins the race. But I have a suspicion she won't. Um, I think, I don't know, I just, maybe she will, maybe she won't. I just think with her taking that Fox News job recently, um, I don't know, the cards are kind of saying probably not going to join. I mean, maybe she could, but if she does, Mark Walker and Ted Butter screwed. And right now, they're both kind of screwing each other over by staying in the race. So, I mean, we'll see. I think Bud's more likely to drop up than Walker. I think Walker's been doing a lot more campaigning. He's always touring and visiting different Republican groups and uh, organizations, meeting with people. He's also got more endorsements. I think he's been endorsed by, like, Senator Scott of South Carolina and Lankford of Oklahoma. Paul Ryan's also endorsed Walker. Um... Yeah, so uh, I think it's more likely Bud will drop out. I don't think he's doing too great. I think his campaign lacks the infrastructure to really mount a challenge to win this nomination. So, you know, I think eventually Bud will drop out. But until then, um, him and Walker are just both kind of screwing each other over. So, yeah, that's the first episode of the NC Politics podcast. Um, If you enjoyed this, please tune in. Going to be uploading at least one episode per week, um, hopefully more though. So yeah, that was today's episode. If you enjoyed it, um, please consider following us. Um, you can see the podcast on Spotify, Anchor. Um, making this through Anchor, so hopefully it's widely distributed on a bunch of different platforms, and you're able to see it through there. Yeah, we're also working on setting up a Twitter page, so if you once that's set up, I'll let you guys know. But then hopefully you guys can tweet us, you know, different topics to discuss, um, different politicians, different political ideas, party platforms, um, just sort of, yeah, covering the political climate of North Carolina specifically, but, you know, hopefully we'll do some, some national stuff as well, because a lot of interesting stuff going on in the political world. So yeah, if you enjoyed, um, please tune in, keep checking back, should have some more interesting episodes for you guys, and yeah, thanks for listening. Thank you.